Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This content may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. Alarmed, I whip around to see where she is standing near the counter close to the drive through window and saw her pointing to a shadowy figure climbing through the window. He gave one of the most aggressive, loudest barks I have ever seen any dog do and ran to the wall. I didn't mention him stalking me because I convinced myself that if I kept my head down and ignored it, that it would just stop. From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Thanks to Manly Bands for supporting Disturbed. Manly Bands helps men find wedding bands that fit their personality and their budget with unique and stylish designs. To get 21% off your Manly Band for a limited time and get a free silicone ring, go to manlybands.com disturbed. Welcome back in everyone and thanks for joining me. Today I'm bringing you four true frightening tales that are sure to keep you up at night. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show with our title story coming to us from Reddit user Cultural Classic, featuring voice work by Rhiannon Mauschel. And we learn to appreciate those who are quick thinking. Okay. Let me preface this by saying I work in a well-populated town with a low crime rate and no reason to outright assume any of these things were about to happen. I work at a popular coffee chain, generally doing afternoon and closing shifts. This night in particular, we had a very young crew for closing, which happens at 10.30 p.m. For reference, we had our shift lead, a 19-year-old female who we will call Sarah, myself, a 17-year-old female, my coworker, 17-year-old female who we will call Mia, and another coworker, 18-year-old female who we will call Dee. It had been a relatively slow night with only a few loyal regulars dropping by. Both drive-through and the cafe were empty as heavy rainfall had started and no one wanted to be out. I was in the front of the store cleaning while the rest of my coworkers were in the back of the store when an older man walks in. He wore odd clothing, a bit strange for the humid weather, full black attire with combat boots, a heavy red jacket and a beanie on his head obscuring his hair. I brushed it off as protection from the storm and figured he worked outside and went to ask if he had placed an online order as he stood at the mobile counter. 
Putting on my customer service voice, I smiled and went through my standard spiel, but was alarmed when instead of responding, he places a bag on the counter and starts pulling out DVDs. Once he finishes pulling out a stack of 10 or so, he stares past me into the back room where my coworkers were obviously chatting, and then makes a lap around the store. Eyeing me the entire time and not speaking a word, he backs out of the front door and walks out to his truck, which I now see is a large black pickup. Freaked the hell out, I stupidly grab the stack of DVDs and run back to my coworkers. They're immediately alarmed by my demeanor and ask me what's wrong. I hold out the DVDs and let them inspect them while I explain what happened. Much to my discomfort, Sarah points out that all of the movies are either about murders or kidnappings. Slightly pissed off and extremely uncomfortable, we make the decision to call my manager. He picks up and Sarah explains the situation while I comfort Dee and Mia who are freaked out more than I am. He tells us that there's nothing we can do about it but to call back if anything else happens. So we hang up and move to the front of the store as a group. Things go on as usual, but with an air of fear about us. Mia sticks to my side and Dee to Sarah's. The man's truck had pulled off at that point, but much to my dismay, he had only pulled into the now-closed grocery store next door that had a clear view into the drive through window. A few cars pull through the drive through and I even had a few customers ask if I was alright, on account of my face looking so terrified. I've always had a pretty good intuition about these things, and this felt more wrong than anything else I had ever felt. A bit more time passes, and it's now time for Dee to leave. With the man still in the parking lot next door, we decided it would probably be best for her boyfriend, uh, we'll call him Daniel, to come pick her up. This wasn't an irregular occurrence, and we didn't want him following her home. Mia then points out that a van had been sitting in the back of the parking lot for almost an hour at that point, which we had not noticed previously. Another gut feeling hits, and I make the decision to lock the door. Daniel tells Dee he's on his way, and I inform my manager that we close the cafe for peace of mind, which he is fine with because business was slow. Now Sarah and Dee are in the back, and Mia and I are up front. I go about cleaning the machines and trying to make idle chatter to keep her calm, which is no small feat as she jumps every time she hears someone steaming milk. As we're talking and I have my back turned to her, she screams mid-sentence, Get out! Alarmed, I whip around to see where she is standing near the counter close to the drive through window and saw her pointing to a shadowy figure climbing through the window. Now, the next few moments were a blur of adrenaline-rushed thinking and what I can only explain as extreme divine intervention. It genuinely cannot be explained by anything other than some grand divine plan to keep myself and my co-workers alive. Grabbing her arm, I yank Mia behind me and grab the hot bucket of sanitizer I had been using to scrub the counters around the machines. I throw the liquid onto him, simultaneously pushing the man out of the window, which he had only just got his shoulders through, with a big red bucket now on his head. If you work in food service, you know the ones. Bulky sons of bitches. At the same time, Daniel pulls up outside. Mia is yelling for someone to call the police, and I see Dee in my peripheral running outside to her savior. I slam the drive through window shut and lock them, with the man still laying on the ground, struggling to get his bearings. I couldn't tell you how much time passed. 
although it couldn't have been more than 15 to 30 seconds, before I see Daniel rush the man who was now on his knees and he pins him to the ground. Sarah and Mia were now pulling me to the back of the store, both fighting back sobs, and Sarah's on the phone to the police. Thankfully, we have some awesome regulars who are also deputies that arrived within five minutes of our call and arrested the man. The aftermath was messy, but they eventually figure out he's a member of a local trafficking ring that had been caught years prior and let out on bail. Oh yeah, and the van in the back that had kept Dee from leaving in the first place? It hightailed it out of the parking lot in the middle of all the action, but was eventually traced back to the people who were also part of that ring. Even though I won't be releasing names as such because the legal proceedings are still happening, I figured I would tell my story. I still work there, and I am so grateful to Daniel, who very well could have saved all of our lives in that moment. He managed to keep the guy pinned the entire time until the police arrived and disarmed him. The true hero of this story. Although I do pride myself on my quick thinking for getting him out of the store. Moral of the story? Trust your gut feelings, and always have a steaming hot bucket of sanitizer on hand. Can't get enough disturbed? We've got you covered on Patreon with monthly bonus episodes, ad-free listening, shout-outs, and more. Visit disturbedpodcast.com slash support. You'll be glad you did. Next up, we hear from Reddit user Sev2102 with voice work by Tom Eglio. And we learn that we're not always safe at home. Three days ago, my old man went out of town. First night I heard what I assumed was a large critter. As of 4.13am when I post this, I think they're gone for good. This is a long but recent and true story. I want to say I'm glad they left or knew I was armed slash not worth dying or killing, whatever reason. Two nights ago, I was awoken by my dog between 11am and 3am at most. He kept near me when I got up and made a low, aggressive growl facing out of my room but kept close to me. He has never done this before. I've worked with canines for years. This gave me a gut feeling, and then I heard it. Someone talking. In my yard, no more than 20 feet by the sound. Low mumbling slash bad whispering. I was blaring Return of the King. Yes, extended. I need to add I have childlike hearing at my age for context. If you speak in a one-floor home with two doors closed at a whisper, I can make words out. He went quiet when I opened a drawer too loud to grab my hidden 380, chambered around and noticed a shadow passing by light outside the blurred window, blackout curtains for the wind. Home was clear, all doors locked, nothing odd, so, but my dog peeled out. I held my flashlight in one hand, went his way, and called him to the other side. He was gone. I guess they knew I was home and ran on foot. I went around but thought, okay, I'm good. Well, Florida continues to be Florida. Night three. My dog does this again in the same frame, waking me up. At this rate, I just got the 12 gauge. My dog was acting far more protective slash gave me the dog body language for major threat, need the pack, can't handle alone. I froze for a moment. Two people now? Fuck, this is not good. They must intend to violently take what they could be after. It was one new guy in guy one. 
I can't risk getting a look. At this rate, they mean business and had to be armed to scope out a place with a ring, 60-plus pounds of muscle of a dog, and my grown ass with a lifetime of handling guns. In my yard around 2.30 a.m. for a second night, they knew I and my dog were home but clearly had a goal. This time, voices were behind the home. My dog then pulled a fucking Leroy Jenkins. He gave one of the most aggressive, loudest barks I have ever seen any dog do and ran to the wall. I ran to his side and yelled, fuck them up, they're dead men. Now shit's clicking for me. This was planned and professionally. I checked every inch of the property with the shotgun. My dog was worked up and spooked but calming. I'm buying a mistake for this one and a good one. I went inside. I literally kept that gun on me slash chambered and in reach of my bed. I barely slept. Day four. I did a bit of looking around for misplaced slash slightly moved objects or scratch locks. Yep, one trash can by the gate was rotated 180 degrees with the handle facing me, not the wall as it's always been placed. Few crushed dead twigs as I went back, the head chair was turned and moved to the right. A clearly odd thing as that table set is symmetrical, so it's glaringly obvious out of place if you live there. Ring and my neighbors so far show nothing, but I knew these guys had to have known he left. Knew his son lives there, the dog would eat them and is huge. I had a gun, I even announced I was armed, yet came back with backup. Then the dude came back, moved shit I didn't know till my marine buddy told me to check if so much as a rock was out of place. It was a way to gauge the person's awareness slash presence, I guess. Whatever your goal was, let's not meet. This episode is brought to you by Manly Bands, helping men find wedding bands that fit their personality and their budget with unique and stylish designs. And you guys probably know, a lot of men out there really don't like shopping and even more so when it comes to rings. There's a lot of men that don't even know their ring size. I didn't know mine. And I don't know, how do you find out your ring size on your own? Well, no worries. Manly Bands has this really cool, unique ring sizer it's gonna give you the perfect ring size using just an app on your phone. Now that's really cool. And once you have that ring size, then comes the fun part. You get to choose from their huge selection of different materials like gold, wood, antler, steel, and even listen to this, dinosaur bone. You can get a dinosaur bone ring. And once you've made that choice, you're gonna get free shipping worldwide, a 30-day exchange policy, and a completely free warranty. You're not gonna beat that anywhere else. And you know straight up if something happens you're gonna be covered and good to go now i was on their website browsing around and honestly i was blown away at all the different types of rings they have they really do have something for everyone no matter what your preference is so of course i went ahead and took advantage of that free shipping and i grabbed myself the best man a silicone style ring now i went with black but you can choose from light gray navy royal and red and i gotta tell you i'm really excited to get mine and see exactly how it feels and they've even got different curated collections like the Jack Daniels Whiskey Barrel Collection. Now, they've already got great prices, but you know I'm going to bring disturbed listeners an even better deal. So to get 21% off your Manly Band for a limited time, go to manlybands.com disturbed. Plus, you'll get a free silicone ring, just like I did. That's manlybands.com disturbed for 21% off for a limited time. But you gotta use our special link to take advantage of the deal. And guys, just remember this. When you go ahead and use our special links and codes, it's a great way to support the podcast while getting an awesome deal. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? 
That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing Podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. Now back to the horror. Disturbed Podcast with your host, Chad. Up next, we hear from Reddit user Warped Leo, featuring voice work by Melissa Medina, and we experience the ever-persistent stalker. This took place a few years ago when I was 16. I will admit that I was young and naive and tended to believe that I would never meet anyone that would wish or do me any harm as I grew up in a very small town where everyone knew each other. Background, the stalking was around eight months long. It all started on my first day of work at McDonald's. I don't really remember anything unusual for that shift, except for meeting my stalker and our conversation, which I will refer to as D. For some context, D was a 26-year-old male at the time this took place, and he happened to move to the town I live in about a year before I met him, so no one in town knew much about him. As I was saying, it was near the end of my shift when D came up to me to introduce himself as he was one of my coworkers. The first thing that D said to me was, I know your name is Warped Leo, but I don't know your age. I replied back that I was 16. He then made a few remarks about how I looked more mature than 16, which I awkwardly laughed off as I've never been in a situation like this. And I also wanted to build a good relationship with the people I'm working with. After those awkward remarks, he tried making more conversation with me while hovering around me and watching me restock items for the front counter area. He told me that he was 26, but that mentally he is 16 
and that he moved here because he was running from the police, which should have been major red flags to me to just ignore him and not continue the conversation. However, I gave him the benefit of the doubt that he was just awkward and it couldn't have been anything serious as he lived here almost a year and the police haven't gone after him. After I finished restocking, I clocked out and waited at one of the tables in the lobby for my mom to pick me up. Dee followed me to the table and began asking for my number as he enjoyed talking to me. Luckily, I had enough common sense to tell him no and that I didn't feel comfortable giving a guy that was 10 years older than me my number. He kept begging for my number after I told him no, so I told him if he guessed my number, he could have it. He surprisingly agreed to this and proceeded to try to guess my number until my mom showed up. Once I got home, I took a shower and started playing mobile games on my phone, when all of a sudden I get a text message from an unknown number. It said, Hey, I enjoyed talking with you. Do you work tomorrow? I replied back, Who is this? It's D. How'd you get my number? Oh, I saw it on your application. How did you see my application? It was just sitting out on the manager's desk. Oh, I then blocked him and started to realize that D is a little creepy. The next shift that I worked, D was also working. As soon as he saw me, he stormed up to me and asked me why I wasn't responding to his messages and calls. I lied and told him that my mom found out he messaged me and that she made me block him. I know that I shouldn't have lied, but he just seemed so angry and I didn't want him to blow up at me. He then asked if we could message on an app that my mom wouldn't know about, and I told him no and that we shouldn't have any sort of relationship outside of work because I'm 16 and he is 26, and implied that it's inappropriate for him to try to be pursuing any sort of relationship. He became more frustrated, and he told me that I was a bitch because he was only trying to be my friend and that he has no friends here. I don't deal well with confrontations, so I apologized and just tried to quietly do my job. He spent the rest of his shift slamming things in the kitchen area and muttering every time he had to walk past me. From then on, he would either act like my best friend or like he hated me at work. I dreaded going to work because of him, but it was the only place where I could work that was close to my home as I would either wait for my mom to pick me up or just walk home. One of the nights that he was pretending to be my best friend, he mentioned seeing me walk home and that he followed me to my house to make sure I was safe. He then proceeded to tell me where my bedroom was, which was the only window from my room that led into the backyard that is just a forest. This is when I snapped, because it had been about two months of him being like this, and I told him to leave me alone and to stop talking to me. After my outburst, he seemed shocked, but he left me alone for about three weeks, or so I thought. I found out later from other coworkers that he followed me home after my shifts and that he told everyone we were dating, but that I was too shy to show my affection for him in public. After those three weeks, he called my mom. I'm assuming he got her number from my application as she was listed as my emergency contact and he left a voicemail that asked for my hand in marriage and that any man would be blessed to marry me. 
Of course, my mom freaked out and questioned me on who had left her that voicemail. I don't know why I lied. Maybe because I thought I was going to be in trouble, but I said it was just a kid from school playing a prank, and she believed me. After that, I just ignored Dee at work and decided that I shouldn't give him any sort of reaction to hopefully deter him from his obsessive behavior. I also always had my mom pick me up after I worked and would make sure all the doors and windows were locked after everyone else in my house went to bed. However, ignoring Dee did nothing and he would just constantly try to talk to me while I worked and he ignored my lack of participation in the conversation. It got to the point where everyone at work noticed his obsessive behavior with me and my manager pulled me aside one day to talk about Dee's behavior. She told me that she has been watching Dee's behavior around me and that she can tell how uncomfortable I am around him. I told her I was uncomfortable around Dee, but I didn't mention him stalking me because I convinced myself that if I kept my head down and ignored it, that it would just stop. Luckily, that's all it took for her to switch his schedule, so we didn't work the same shifts and she informed the other managers so that he couldn't try to swap shifts with other coworkers that had the same shift as me. At first, I was happy because I wouldn't have to be around him anymore. However, my happiness was short-lived as he would just show up while I worked and just watch me while he sat in the lobby. The managers couldn't kick him out as he would always order a soda to stay in the lobby as he was a paying customer and we can't kick out paying customers unless they do something drastic. This behavior went on for months of him just watching me work until one day he clocked out and never came back. Turns out he got kicked out by his landlord and had to move back to his hometown. I didn't think anything of it and was just relieved that my stalker was finally gone. Until my one coworker asked me how it felt being in a long distance relationship. I was confused and then she asked me about D. That's when I found out that he told everyone we were dating and that they had to move his shift as co-workers that are in a relationship aren't allowed to work together and that no one said anything because I was supposedly shy about our relationship. I quickly informed her we were never dating and told her about how he followed me and some of his strange behavior. Shortly after that, every co-worker that thought we were dating learned the truth of the situation and told me the lies he would say about our relationship. Hearing the delusions he had made me realize how dangerous the situation really was. One of the delusions that he had that stood out to me was him planning to propose to me as we wanted to get married and that it would be the right thing to do as I was pregnant with his child. All in all, it was one of the worst times of my life. And to this day, I always check the locks on every window and door before I go to sleep. So, to my McStalker, let's never meet again. Do you have your own terrifying encounter? Did something unexplained happen to you? Let us know and get featured on the podcast. Email my story at disturbedpodcast.com. 
And finally, we have an email submission from Emily, featuring voice work by Tanya Eby. And we get introduced to Shane. Growing up, our family of six lived in a big old house in the old part of town. Our house was built in 1920, as well as the other houses in our area. I never remember seeing or feeling anything that couldn't be explained in the house and always felt comfortable there. However, we would receive calls from friends asking who was in the attic. They would say it looked as though a young boy was sitting in the attic window, looking out. Being the youngest child, my brother was much older than me, As they said, it looked too young to be Reed, the only boy. My mom would always take a look and nothing would be there. These types of situations occurred to everyone once in a while. Until years later, and all my siblings had moved out. My mom had a life-changing stroke. I was 21 at the time, recently married, and found out we were expecting our first child. As my mom spent many months in intensive care, my dad knew it was time to sell the house as all the medical bills started coming. It seemed only right for husband and I to buy the house and to start our new life together there. We began doing some updates and some renovations. This is when we started noticing some interesting experiences, mostly with the electrical things, such as TVs and radios going on and off. I didn't seem to pay much attention to it until I had turned off the radio for the third time and unplugged it, only to have it turn back on. Most of these events were happening in the freshly redone nursery. Once our son was born, we started having experiences with this baby monitor, the musical mobile, as we still battled the radio. Though all these times we never felt threatened or scared, just annoyed. As our son started growing into a toddler, he began talking about his new friend, Shane. We went along with it and thought it was cute. We did find it odd as we don't know any Shanes, nor had he ever met anyone with the name Shane or heard it before. However, he began talking about Shane all the time. He would talk about him to everyone. We would hear him having conversations with Shane regularly. I thought it was all normal. After all, he was an only child. My sister would stay at our house often as she would come to town to visit my mom most weekends. She would stay in the spare bed in Kiefer's room and mentioned that it felt as though someone would sit at the foot of her bed. Kiefer told her, that's just Shane. He likes you too, Auntie. Well, okay then. We just laughed it off. We still battled with electrical things in his room from time to time, but nothing more than that. My husband is an electrician and had inspected everything several times and could never find any issues. It wasn't until after a particular evening that we suspected Shane was not just a regular imaginary friend. My son, Kiefer, was about three when this night occurred. It was a cloudy summer evening as we put Keith to bed. He got out of bed about half an hour later and said, Shane said there's going to be a big storm tonight and we need to sleep in the basement. We thought he was yanking our chain and was trying to get out of sleeping in his own bed. We assured him there might be some rain, but he'd be safe in his bed. After this happened several times that night, we all finally fell asleep in our own beds. Until... Our bedroom door flew open in the middle of the night. Our son came in screaming in a panic, yelling, There's a tornado coming. Shane said we have to get to the basement right now. As I sat up to calm him down and reassure him, the tornado sirens began blaring. My stomach dropped. My husband, half awake, heard Kiefer come in, 
but it wasn't until he heard the sirens did he process what was actually going on. At that moment, we both jumped out of bed, grabbed him and ran to the basement. Once we got to the basement, we turned on the news. This tornado had come literally out of nowhere. Shane was just trying to keep us safe and watching out for us. After that night, we asked Kiefer more about Shane. He described a young boy that was kind and friendly. He asked if Shane could still be his friend and stay. I said, as long as Shane was nice and took care of us, he could stay as long as he wanted. Things became quiet for a while. It wasn't until my daughter was born did the radios begin turning on and off. We knew that was just Shane watching over her. As a few years went by, we hadn't heard about Shane. One day, we asked Kiefer whatever happened to Shane. He said that Shane went home with Auntie one weekend. I asked him why he left, and he said he was going to go help out with Auntie's new baby. We were taken aback as my sister was not pregnant, that is, until we found out the next week that she was indeed pregnant. We are still thankful for Shane and his protection of our kids and family. I've always been tempted to look up some history of the house and area looking for any Shanes. But at the same time, we are content not knowing everything. Just that he is our family's guardian angel. Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. Hi, my name's Christian. Now, I only started listening four days ago and I'm already almost caught up. It's fantastic. The narrators are superb. The stories are chilling, to say the least. And I'm one for horror. I love movies based around horror. I love video games based around horror. I love books based around horror. And I especially love the truth telling of horror. So with that, Disturbed is an amazing podcast. Chad, with what you have done, I appreciate it because I can't stop listening, man. Uh, Keep up the good work. And to all those narrating these fantastic stories, keep it up as well. Thank you. Bye. Don't forget, you can leave us a text or voicemail on our hotline at 701-354-3667. Go ahead and share your story or just let us know what you think of the show. And voicemails do have a three-minute time limit, so if you get cut off, just call back. And if you'd like to submit your own experience, you can do so over at disturbedpodcast.com submit. Disturbed is an independent production funded through advertising and your support. If you'd like to support the show, you can get early access to our premium feed, featuring ad-free listening and bonus episodes. Visit disturbedpodcast.com support to learn more. And let's give a shout out to all of our newest supporters. Loretta Hayward Bennett, Amy Gonzalez, Bill Tolbert, Samantha Griffin, Callie Launius, Suni Sharon, Tom Reiner, Shannon Stubbs, and Robert Elander. Thanks guys so much for supporting the show. Music by Carl Casey at Whitebat Audio and Co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. And stay safe out there, y'all. Disturbed.